This podcast is made possible thanks to Aussie SEO agency Studio Hawk. They're a longtime friend of this show who, like me, wants to see your beautiful business thrive. Go ahead and bookmark studiohawk.com.au forward slash Timbo for an exclusive, free, and in-depth SEO audit and traffic analysis. As a smart business owner, you're constantly making adjustments to your product or service offerings, your customer experience, your pricing, and many other key parts of your business. <laughs> but like me, I bet you avoid, or at the very least, don't find the time to give yourself a bit of a zhuzh as well. You with me? If that's the case, then you're going to love the tips New York stylist Nicole Russo has to share. It's a smartly dressed episode 661 of the 14-year-old award-winning small business big marketing podcast. Well, I say, welcome to a small business marketing show, where successful small business owners share their souls to take your marketing straight to the lead. Now, here's your host, Mr. Tim Reed. And welcome back to your weekly dose of dapper marketing. I'm your host, Timbo Reed, and I have an insatiable curiosity for uncovering marketing ideas that help businesses just like yours to grow. And I do that through a weekly in-depth conversation with a successful business founder who has very kindly, very bravely walked the path before us. You, infinitely more importantly, are a motivated business owner, ready to crank out some great marketing to build that beautiful business of yours into the empire it absolutely deserves to be. As per usual, team, there is marketing G-O-L-D dripping from the ceiling over here at Small Business Big Marketing's HQ. So let's get stuck right in. If you're enjoying this podcast and want a little bit more marketing love to help grow that business of yours, then consider joining my Small Business Owner membership. Not only will you find over 40 marketing ideas that I've captured on video, and I add to them each week, there's also a mountain of video interviews I've done, some short video excerpts from my favorite interviews, a few productivity tool reviews, and a sneak peek behind the scenes every now and then. Or if none of that's of interest and you'd just like to make a contribution to the running costs of this show, then who am I to say no? For more info, head over to patreon.com forward slash marketing podcast. You will find a link in the show notes to that. Thanks to those who've already joined. Every little bit helps to bring you the best business and marketing inspirations going around. Check it out for free for seven days over at patreon.com forward slash marketing podcast. Now, on with why you're here. Today's special guest, Nicole Russo, is a fashion stylist based in New York who is all about helping business owners look and feel like the rock stars they truly are, regardless of their size or what's held them back before. Is that resonating? It does with me. From the Saudi royal family to Google big shots, even New York Times executives, Nicole's dressed them all and left them pretty damn happy with themselves. So if the idea of looking sharper, smarter, or more business-like appeals to you, then you are going to love what Nicole has to share, including what's the right look for you and how to get it, examples of how a change in one's appearance resulted in a measurable ROI. We like to measure things. How styling advice differs by industry, how to change your look based on the business setting, 
You know, it might be a networking event, might be a new business pitch, might be going on location, whatever it may be. Should a business have branded uniforms? We address that. Whether we should dress to match our clients. And of course, some simple hacks to get you looking sharp real quick. As always, you'll find a snippet from this interview that I feel is super interesting over at patreon.com forward slash marketing podcast. I kick things off by asking Nicole how she turned some bad dates into a successful styling business. Oh, heavens. But there were so many. <laughs> oh, really? Really? <laughs> but uh, one in particular was a standout, and that's actually what um, came up with the whole idea of Let's Get You and Styling Men. So up until then, I'd been styling women. I'd been working in the fashion industry for years and really had only dabbled in, you know, buying boyfriends, T-shirts and things from, you know, within the relationship. But I'm sitting across from this lovely man. And, you know, I had a penchant for nice nerds, to be honest. So men who were more cerebral in their um, focus rather than their style. You know, I think maybe growing up in a small town and maybe not always having like my foot in fashion until I was an adult, um, you know, I'm sitting across from this man and, you know, he was moderately decently dressed, but nothing superb. And it didn't reflect who he was. I mean, this, this gentleman was like Ivy League educated, extremely successful, poised, obviously would make a great boyfriend. And it was probably like the 50th time in my entire life where I had been on a date with this kind of man, that great present, great personal presentation as a human. Yeah. But God, <laughs> the outfit was just so bad. Like the personal presentation what did not he, reflect. I mean, it wasn't a matter of like that, like it was like a clown suit, but it was just, you know, the level of polish and sophistication that like was inside of him as a human was just not there. I mean, it was like probably a old wrinkled J crew, one size too small or too big, like checkered plaid shirt from 12 years ago that looked like, you know, he probably worn it for every first date he'd ever been on. Right. And, you know, it's just, it was just the, this like, menial, mediocre presentation. And it was just so interesting to me how there was just this repeated pattern of these really great men that were never dressed to their personal you know, caliber. But in particular, I live in New York City. So in particular, this stood out to me because you know, I knew how dating apps work. I knew how dating worked. And these men were great. And I knew they were being overlooked by fantastic women because their presentation was just not up to par. And then these losers on Wall Street who knew how to wear a good suit were probably getting, you know, these jerks who were leaving these women on red and, you know, giving them not the time of day were like, you know, probably getting all this attention. So I sat across from this man and in my head, I just thought to myself, can we just get you late already? <laughs> I love an honest New Yorker. <laughs> And that was what, and I, I didn't say it, but it came into my head and I, I even envisioned myself wanting to shake his shoulders. And I thought, oh my God, I could do this. I was like, because that was essentially what I did for my female clients is I helped them take the person who was incredibly successful, a high achiever, someone who had, you know, accomplished so much in their life, but yet somehow their external self didn't reflect that or they'd lost that in some way. So do you think, Nicole, you're being a little bit judgy? No, I'll tell you why. Mm -hmm. Because I was, I, I chose to go out with this man knowing full well what his pictures look like. And it's not like his pictures didn't reflect the person sitting across from me. So 
No, in the sense of like, I, I understood his value as a human being and that people's value in the world does not have anything to do with what they're wearing. However, it is a scientific and known fact that we do make assessments of people within mm-hmm. microseconds yes. and meeting them within, you know, whether we, we have cultural indoctrination, we have ideologies that make us form impressions on people and if we can use the power of what we wear and how we present ourselves to influence our, the success of our goals, but also our self-image, then it's a valuable thing. I, so, I wonder if your Ivy League nerdy boy sitting across from the table was super comfortable in his rusty old, I think you said J. Crew sweater or whatever he might have been wearing, but he felt super comfortable. There may have even been a lovely story behind it, knowing, you know, I, I'm resonating with this bloke, not that I'm Ivy League, but, you know, I'd probably be wearing what he wore, feeling very comfortable. I'm on a new date. I don't need any more stress. Um, and here's this girl across the table wanting me to wanting to put me uh, in something that I, I'm going to feel like a bit of a dickhead in. Okay, so <laughs> to clarify, I definitely did tell him. No. However, um, you might have so, you might have with your energy. <laughs> maybe, but I think I think it was more for me about the realization that there was clearly some sort of pattern that the, the, these, you know, these phenomenally, like phenomenal people on paper were not trans transferring in terms of how they presented. And, you know, there is like sort of that douchebag aesthetic that we all know, like that is sort of sometimes associated with that ever successful, like, you know, demeanor that, you know, New York guy or that city urban living man mm-hmm. who isn't actually kind of a nice guy. But it, was, it goes beyond that. Like, this is about if this person, if this man sitting across from me did find himself feeling like what he was wearing was kind of schlubby or not reflective of his success, or, you know, he did want to attract a certain kind of person and he felt like maybe this was a barrier, not necessarily helping his cause, then it would be a tool for him. So off the back of that date, the 53rd <laughs> date of the year, uh, you uh, you started a business. Now, before we talk about starting that business, how'd the date go, Nicole? Was it a successful date? Um, well, I think we went on like about three more. Excellent. But, um, and, you know, we, we definitely didn't have compatibilities in other areas. Right. I, I distinctly remember the person because they obviously were formative in my entire business. So, um, but I did go on to, you know, I've always said that, like, I don't actually put thought into when I was dating. I'm in a relationship currently, but when I was dating, I I did at one point say, you know, I don't ever actually want to change the way someone dresses. I, if they're comfortable and happy, then I'm, I, then they are perfect as they are, but I can be, I can be a tool if they so choose to want to capitalize on it. If you had to style one famous person, one that we all know. So it kind of makes it easy for us to understand who would it be, why, and what would you do for them? Oh, uh, so I would, this is going to be kind of a funny, uh, <laughs> the Taylor Swift, actually, not because she's like leading yeah, the charge. She's pretty shabby the way she dresses. She really needs some work. Do you, well, do you believe that? Because she does. <laughs> I, I she? Think, okay, so she, yes. So she looks phenomenal the, the, on the num- stage. The numbers say she doesn't. Well, that's what's incredible about it is that, you know, she is, a groundbreaking businesswoman. What she has done is 100%. like drool worthy in terms of whether you appreciate her music or not. Like she's accomplished something that 
is so admirable. Mm. However, one thing that she has not ever done has been perceived as a leader in her personal style. And it, it, her, her, her wardrobe on stage is actually very interesting and very well done. Her wardrobing in her music videos is also really well done. However, her style at day to day living her life, it leaves a lot to be desired because she is so highly, she's so popular and she is so appealing to multiple generations. I believe that she is trying to sort of fit into a both a millennial mom as well as a 13 year old. And it creates a lot of confusion and inconsistency. And she is an incredibly successful and powerful person, but the way that the way that she dresses doesn't reflect the same kind of smarts and stability and, you know, effortlessness that she seems to have when she's making an album. And there's opportunity in that. I know she listens occasionally to this podcast, whether she listens to this episode or not, but, hey, there could be a new client in the making. And if it is, could you please let me know? <laughs> That'd be awesome. I would. That would be incredible. Can a business owner place too much importance on their appearance? Oh, well, certainly I think if they overthink it. Mm. Yeah, if it stresses them out, if it creates some sort of pressure that takes away from their performance or their ability to move forward, then certainly yes. But, and, I, and I ask that because I, I, knew, I thought that would be the answer, but I also ask it because there's a lot of business owners listening right now to this and thinking, and, and there could be a bit of a cultural gap. I don't know. You're in the fashion, one of the fashion capitals of the world. I'm not. And says says Tim sitting here in his Patagonia, Patagucci really, Patagucci T-shirt. Thank you. You didn't notice, but it's Patagucci. Um, and, you know, there could be a bit of a cultural gap here, but there are some business owners, there's plumbers, there's chiropractors, there's lawyers listening and going, look, really? This, this girl's from New York. She's into fashion. We just want to get on with business. What do you say to them? I say that they're probably too insecure to try, so they diminish <laughs> the value it. of it. That's really what I think it is. Tell me more. Tell me it's too insecure. Because oftentimes we avoid what we're not good at, right, or what it feels difficult to overcome, so we diminish the importance of it. And a lot of business owners do that in all areas of, you know, who isn't, you know, known to abandon a part of their business because it doesn't come easy, right? Um, but in particular, you know, if you're a pl- it doesn't matter if you're a plumber or a lawyer, there's an area of your life that particularly at work where you have to think about how, what impression am I setting? So for example, let's say you're in architecture, right? Um, or, you know, urban planning or something that has to do with where you are setting the tone for setting the stage for um, infrastructure, for an actual physical landscape, you're still going to have to most likely go into the field. So what you wear in the field is going to be perceived differently than what you wear when maybe you're in a pitch meeting, Mm -hmm. an example. And if you aren't cognizant of that, you're bound to ostracize some area of your business. So that's an example of knowing your audience Mm. and being confident in choosing the right pieces to communicate where you stand with that audience. Cause you know, I, for example, I did have a, a client who was in operations for an, a very large architectural firm. And he had to be very mindful of making sure that when he was amongst like the team on the building site, that he didn't look like the dickhead, like the corporate guy. 
And how does he do that in a way that allows him to still go back to the office after the meeting? And that even being aware of that is a is a powerful thing. You know, you, that is something that you have control over. And as a business owner, if you're not doing that, you're not thinking about that, you're probably unexpectedly influencing people in ways that you don't want to. It's really interesting. Does that mean that architect has to take a change of clothes? If he's going out on the field in the day and then going back to the office for a new business meeting in the afternoon, I mean, surely not. Obviously, we're not going to promote, hey, carry through different changes of clothes that you can, you know, hop in the back of the car and get changed. You're shaking your head as if no. No, certainly not. I mean, it would it would matter only if maybe he were going from a gala to the to the <laughs> yeah, site, you yeah. know, if it was something like that. But it'd be more about like the the there are certain ways to downplay, you know, polish. You can look polished but still downplay mm. your position, right? So, you know, as you mentioned, like your Patagucci, you know, is a perfect brand that kind of fits into uh uh fits into everyone, yeah. but yet is still considered very um could still be very professional, yep. particularly if he wanted to throw, I mean, he could throw in a layering piece that could maybe polish something up a little bit better, like a blazer or even a sweater or a lightweight knit, something to like, or even a jacket. But it's also just the condition of the clothing, for example. Like you can wear jeans and a t-shirt and um, depending on how they fit and the material and the condition they're in, they can look very different. Share a success story where you have, you know, helped a business owner get more confidence or, you know, something measurable even maybe, you know, or they won that business pitch partly because of what they were wearing or whatever it may be. Sure, you've got a few. Oh, yeah, certainly. So um, one example is actually um, a friend that is, well, she became a friend, funny enough, but um, she works within the food industry. So her life is very much like in the kitchen, she runs um, a meal delivery service. She runs a kitchen most of her days. She's sort of managing a lot of that kind of operational logistical part of the business. But a big part of her helping to grow the business to where she wanted to go is that she started having to go out in the field, literally, like, as we say, and like really networking with vendor partners and big businesses to get them, you know, and marketing to them so she could get really big uh, relationships and that was really foreign to her because she was not really comfortable, mm-hmm. like getting out of her sweats, like getting out of her, you know, hairnet, so to speak. <laughs> and um, so getting her clothes that were, and she also was not a uh, traditional size. She was a plus size woman. So, you know, she had a lot of hurdles to overcome and we're dressing her in a way that made her feel like really confident. She started taking the risks because she wasn't really, feeling like she could go out and meet these people because she knew that she didn't look like a reputable business partner and the anxiety that she'd had in the past from previously trying to find clues that fit and, you know, experience the overwhelm of shopping prohibited her from even going after it. Mm -hmm. And she knew that by fixing this problem, she would at least know that what to wear wouldn't be part of the challenge. And you know, I, will, I can say that now she spends probably, she spends a lot less time in the kitchen because she now has all, a lot of the partners that she needed in order to hire the right people so she could get out of it and start, you know, running the company more as a CEO than, you know, a line cook, which it's been a few years, but it was really awesome. incredible to see her kind of evolve through her role within the business itself. As you're explaining that case study, Nicole, it, it would appear that mindset 
is 99% of this. So you can dress people and make them look beautiful, make them look confident, well, make them feel confident, appropriate to whatever set business setting they're going into. That's kind of easy. If you know what goes with what, right, then that's the easy part. The, other, the hard part is having that woman, for example, own it, like own that look, have, have a, develop her own swagger because now she's mm-hmm. confident in what she's wearing and who she is. Do you do you in your business? Do you address that mindset? Do you sit them down and say, "Righto, darling, I got a few things to say to you before you step foot out." It is definitely a huge part of it for me. Um, one of the uh, reasons I do it is because I'm enabling people to see themselves differently. You know, uh, with the the example of the bad date is that I was like, "Oh, we're going to get him late," but <laughs> where? What else are we getting you? You know, what is your goal? I, like, I love how his date is thinking about how she can get him laid. Anyway, that's a, a whole nother discussion. <laughs> well, not with me. That that should have sailed. Clearly, I was. <laughs> I was just, you know, trying to give him other opportunities. Um, but, um, but yes, I mean, you know, mindset is a huge part of it because it's, um, I can tell you, for example, if you've ever, uh, I'm assuming everybody knows the story of Dumbo. I mean, it's sort of a, mm. there's, it's like the long, the short story is a child's story, obviously, but the short story is he's a outlier. He's an elephant born into the circus who has floppy ears and he's made fun of and no one likes him. And one day finds this magical feather and he realizes he can fly. He can fly and he's the star of the show. Everyone loves him. He comes like famous. And then a little while later with all this fame, he loses the feather and he's terrified. He can't perform. He's not going to be nobody now. He won't be able to fly. But he jumps off the diving board anyway and he flies without the feather because the whole time it was him. It was his ears. He was the magic all along. And that's how I feel I do, is that, like, you are the magic. I just give you the feather. And that's what clothing can be. It's a tool. And it can be very magical when done right. I love it. Because, yeah. So that's the best way to explain it. Steve Jobs, interested to think, and there's probably other examples, but he comes to mind because we all know him, and he all he ever wore was a black turtleneck, 501s, I think a, the a Converse shoes, and that was it. I think a plaited belt, and that was his wardrobe. Yeah. Uh, what's, yeah. what's your view? To me, that just feels so incredibly beautifully simple. You don't have to worry about anything. You know what? That that problem is sorted every single morning. What do you think of that strategy? I think it certainly works for some people. And, you know, what I do for my clients is to create that same cohesive ease, but not be as boring, frankly. I mean, and if that, if your goal, if you feel satisfied with that, then like keep on. I mean, honestly, like I would never tell someone they're doing something wrong in that sense if that really is working for them. Because mm-hmm. a lot, what really what people are often looking for is um, the renewed brain energy to, you know, reallocate this space and the decision fatigue that they have often with getting dressed. Mm-hmm. So we do that for you, but obviously with more of a creative edge. However, I will add a really interesting Harvard study, I'm like 99% sure it's Harvard. If somebody Googles this, don't hate me if I was wrong. Sounds but impressive it if, it, if it is, though. I mean, it was an important study to begin with, but it's called the red sneaker effect. And basically, it, they basically found that anyone can 
go against the status quo of what is considered normal at work, in particular with what you wear, when you do it with such gusto and such like, I know what I'm doing and I can get away with this ish, then people start to opt in and buy into your, oh, he could do that. He's him. It's the same reason why when tech started disrupting uh, fashion or the industries in general, one of the things they started doing was showing up looking like schlubs and everybody had to accept it. It's the same thing. Uh It's the red sneaker effect. They had to accept it because these people walked in with such unbelievable confidence because they were, you know, getting their $50 million VC checks. They made everyone, everyone had to listen. They didn't have the right to tell them they were doing it wrong because they were more powerful than the guys, other guys sitting at the table. So if you can have that level of, you know, I mean, there are a lot of politicians that have done it as well. I mean, you can think of people who have, like Steve Jobs is a good example. He got away with, he didn't dress like a slub, but he wore the same thing. He didn't put his appearance as a a value on his um, offer to the world. But the only reason he got away with that is because his offer eventually was bigger than his appearance. Just so I understand the red sneaker effect, is that going to an extreme? So if you're working in a group of conservative accountants and you're one of those accountants and the next day you come in in, well, just to be literal about it, a pair of jeans and red sneakers and a white T-shirt, is that what you're talking about, like, and then owning that? You have to do it in a way that is, like, it really is obvious, but also it has to look like it's intentional because otherwise you look incompetent. So oftentimes people look when it comes to dress codes or dressing for success, the reason that people judge it in a way that makes them like wonder about your credibility is because it it can, if it's not, it can't translate as incompetent. That's why, you know, the entry level analyst or an intern wearing their dad's suit or like Kesara looks incompetent as opposed to you wore red sneakers. It's intentional. It was a choice. If you're frustrated by not appearing on page one of Google, and I'm guessing you are, then you're going to love Studio Hawk a local SEO agency who cut out the middlemen and focus on boosting your SEO ROI, okay? Now, I know what you're thinking, not another SEO agency, Timbo. How do I know I'm not going to be ripped off? (laughs) Well, for one, you deal directly with experts, not middle managers who slow things down. Plus, Studio Hawk are specialists with their award-winning pros getting up to 300% ROI for their precious clients, and Studio Hawk are based right here in Australia. So no more dealing with overseas tricksters. Their exclusive listener package includes an SEO master plan aiming for three times ROI, authority-boosting backlinks, technical SEO fixes, and journalistic-style human-written, not AI, content. For a free consultation with a senior SEO specialist to get an in-depth audit, traffic analysis, and roadmap, head to studiohawk.com.au forward slash Timbo or give them a buzz, 03-90862-779. What do you think, you may well screw your nose up here, Nicole, about uniforms, branded (laughs) uniforms? Is there a role? If so, when? Do you mean like 
for well, like what do you I, mean? Like, I, like uh, mean- well, I used to work. I was the marketing manager in a previous life at a large travel agency in Australia called Flight Center, and we had to wear as a marketing manager. I had to wear a navy suit, a white shirt, and a branded Flight Center tie. I died. In, <laughs> I died inside every morning, Nicole. Every morning. I cried sometimes. No one, I was like, please oh. don't look at me. Please don't judge me. I don't blame you. Not you. That's what I'm telling the people on the train. Okay, so certain certain ways it matters, right? Like, so think of like Emirates airline flight attendants as an example, right? So like Cabin their crew. brand, yeah, but it not only does it obviously create clear clarity about who they are and what they're doing there, but also certain ones of them, Emirates for an example, has certain kinds of standards which like are in alignment with the brand. So I mean there's a little bit of controversy about whether or not that's like there's a an ethical morality is particularly with that example but I use it on purpose because it still is very distinct. So there are ways in which to do it. Um like Glossier is another example of a brand. They are an American um the uh, small business that um, unicorn they're a unicorn uh, event VC unicorn but they are they're a beauty brand but they have very distinct um, for the the uniform that their team members wear in their pop-ups and their stores are pink overall jumpsuits like mm-hmm. mechanic looking jumpsuits in like millennial like baby pink and it's very distinct it's very unique um, it kind of pulls you into their experiential brand story when you walk into the store. It's very, so in those areas, I think it's really cool. It could be really interesting. Um, Otherwise, like your story about the tie, that's that's just stupidity. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. I agree. I hated it. It's like, am I trying to be, what what do they want me to be? It was, I always felt very awkward. I, I um, One of the things I do, Nicole, outside of podcasting is I speak at conferences. I, I keynote speak around marketing. And I one of the biggest jobs I ever did was to just under a 1,000 real estate agents, okay? Big venue. I was the opening speaker. And real estate agents, beautiful suits, beautiful shirts, beautiful ties, dresses, all that. It was a beautifully dressed crowd. As a speaker, I generally wear jeans and... Uh, a white T-shirt, not a Patagucci, nice white T-shirt, a jacket, <laughs> um, and sneakers or some some suede shoes. I dress to match my how I want to feel. Someone said to me at that event, sort of commented in a sort of snide way that I should probably be dressed like the real estate agents. Hmm. My view, so I guess the question is, should we dress to match our clients? My view is we shouldn't. Maybe there are times we should, but I'm me. I'm not them. Should I have worn a navy suit? Uh, probably not. But the, to the comments, um, I'll to answer it more in full. To the comment about we should dress to match our clients, I would say it probably depends on what you're selling. Because, like as a stylist, I'm selling people the results that they're looking for, right? So one of the reasons people will buy into a stylist is because they see themselves or the person or they see themselves being understood, right? So that doesn't mean I have to look exactly like me, but if they can't resonate with how I present, then they probably won't resonate with my process. They won't resonate with the experience to some degree. So there's another example would be um, that real estate agent taking into account like who his, he, who he or she's main client base is, right? Where are they? Who are they? But 
I would say that you did the red sneaker effect. Ah, there we go. Without even knowing, I'm applying some Harvard learning. Yeah. You subconsciously put that into place. Like you're one of the ways you, yes, because sometimes people will talk about you, but it, it, some, it being talked about in the way that you described is better than not being talked about totally. at all. I was comfortable. So, man, and if you, as long as you weren't, I'm sure it was fine. It's, if it's part of your personal brand. aesthetic and yeah. brand, then you, I wouldn't have. I was nervous enough speaking in front of a thousand real estate agents, much less, much less worrying about feeling like a weirdo in some outfit that I didn't want to wear. Virtual meetings, Nicole, they are yeah. well and truly here to stay thanks to the pandemic. Uh, what are your tips for business owners to maintain a professional appearance on camera? Is it okay to be business up top, party below, or you've got a full... <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a couple of reasons why I, how I can answer that, but one of which will be I always like to tell people that no, they should put on real pants, especially if you're in an important call because you never know when you will have to get up. Good point. And if you have to get up quickly and you, and I also realize that we become the habits that we are, right? Yes. So if you wear your sweatpants with your nice shirt, you are going to forget that you can't get up because it's, <laughs> you're going to, it's, that's what you wear every day. You're not going to remember, oh my God, I'm wearing like checkered boxers. And there's a, all of a sudden there's a cockroach running across your desk at the, in the heat of summer. I'm just, you know, using an <laughs> yeah, 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 example, yeah, yeah, yeah. but, but like you set yourself up for success for starters, but. Uh, if I may, I'll, I'll tell you the other reason there is, is that when you wear formal clothing, whether formal meaning jeans, it doesn't have to be like a yeah. suit, but when you wear something of structure and more formality, it actually does transition your mind into a more formal occasion. That is also a bit of science. I agree with that. There, and that is one of the main reasons you need to transition your mind into what you are about to go into. Um, in particular, if you are trying to lead with, and do something, accomplish something with why you're on video. That's very true. Uh, and I, I often think that when I'm about to do an interview like this, should I put on a shirt or should I, you know, is the Patagucci okay? But one of my favourite podcasters is Lex Friedman. Uh, and Lex wears a black suit with a white shirt and a black string tie every single time. He looks like something sort of out of the Blues Brothers if he puts some, you know, dark sunnies on. <laughs> but uh, it's his personal brand. He's interviewing heavy hitters. I mean, he's in interviewing the Elon Musks and the, you know, the Mark Zuckerbergs of the world, which doesn't mean he has to dress like that, but I, 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 you can see exactly what he's doing. He's bringing a high amount of professionalism to podcasting, which, you know, probably could do with it. <laughs> right, and he's also differentiating himself. Yes. You know, he's he's also, and also there might be, I mean, I bet if you were to ask him, there might be a way that like, he might also do this because he puts him in his mode. He knows what 100%. he's about to do. 100%. I, yeah, I totally agree with that. Do you, um, it was not really a digression, but speaking of fashion in New York, um, there's that wonderful YouTube channel, um, What People Are Wearing in New York. Do you watch that? Oh, yeah. I, I don't watch the video, the YouTube, but I, I have I follow the Instagram. Yeah. Okay. Have you ever seen his videos? Um, I've seen them in I've seen them in passing, but I haven't actually like watched the actual like YouTube channel. I, but I know what you're referring yeah, to. Yeah, because I, I I don't know whether I don't know what his name is, but he owns a vintage clothing outlet in New York City somewhere, and he sort of very gently seeds that into various videos that he does. He he's not pushy, but. It's an actual, actually, it's a fantastic marketing channel for him, which kind and for those who haven't seen it, 
It's just this very humble guy who wanders various boroughs of New York and walks up to people with his iPhone. He's doing all the filming and just says, hey, he's got three questions for for them. You know, what are you wearing? Uh, is there a story behind it? And what advice have you got for others? It's just really lovely and gentle. Um, and he's smashing it. I mean, he's he's getting millions of views per per video. So I just think it'd be a great marketing idea, something like that for your business. Oh, really? I think like, so. Um... Like what? Well, what would the what would the uh, unique approach be though? How would I do it? Well, than well that's yeah. Uh, that would require a little bit of thought. Uh, I'm happy to brainstorm yeah. it for two minutes right now, but <laughs> but well, you don't want to copy what he's doing. But yeah, um, maybe he, because what he does, he never offers advice. He just offers compliments. He's actually incredibly loving in the way he goes about it. Maybe what you could do is something similar, but you would be a little bit more up. For, he's approaching people who he's really interested in. Maybe you could approach people that you think you could help. Now, some people are uh, going to take offence to that, but gee, it'd be interesting, wouldn't it? Hey, listen, I mean, if you came up to me in the street and said, "Look, those socks really aren't matching your belt. Do you mind if I give you a bit of advice?" Okay, well, well this would be a bit of fun. <laughs> anyway, that's food for yeah. thought. I digress, but I like it though. Good. I like I like something. I like something like that when I um when I was um. After I did the the Fast Company, when they wrote about how I, you know, went on dates and started a business, <laughs> I also did a bunch of videos for them. It was a few years ago, but it was great fun. I had, it was so delightful. Like I made over a few of their uh, employees um, and it was such fun. So I could see that something like this actually being very much in a lot. And I love the spontaneity of it too. Well, you're good to camera. You're good to, you're a good speaker. You're, you're passionate about your top, your, your subject matter. You live in New York City. So, like, to me, it's a no-brainer. I'll send you an invoice if you go ahead with that. I'm just writing that down as a little note. Right. Perfect. <laughs> Great. Great. Now, this is hard to give tips and hacks to those listening to help them improve their personal image through fashion because we're dealing yeah. with a broad variety. But are, are there just some, like, like one, two, three little hacks you can give us that we can all apply? Like no-brainers? Yeah. Yes. So um, one is um, I tell people, like, if, if you really are overwhelmed, you never have anything to wear, and you're, hate, you need to edit your closet. Like, most people think editing your closet is sort of the Marie Kondo, like, hold it, like, think about what sparks joy, or they're, like, throwing everything away, hiring an organizer, and I'm like, the easiest way to edit your closet is to... There's three categories in your closet. There's clothes you will never wear again and you know it, but you just don't want to get rid of because you're avoiding the task. There are clothes that you're not sure because they either fit you, used to fit you, you kind of like them, you don't know how to wear them. They're like in this like weird gray category. And then there's the hell yeses. First of all, first one is just get rid of the nose, right? Just get rid of them. Like the ones that you know. Like, you know, there's that there. You've already cut out 20, 30% of your wardrobe. Just donate them, get rid of them. So. Do that first. Just do that. And then the next phase is really easy. I call it wear it once. And basically every day you get dressed, you always pull your, your easy go-tos, your regulars. You got to include one of those maybes confused pieces every day. Like there's, you can wear your favorite jeans, wear your favorite shoes, throw on the one sweater. Mm -hmm. Throw on the one shirt until eventually you've combed through it all. Mm -hmm. Because there's everything happens when you try something. Now, when you try it on, when you wear it, you have to wear it around the house, out of the house, whatever. You remember why you loved it. 
or you remember why you never wore it and it's so much easier to get rid of mm -hmm. and then you start you just start pruning and before you know it you'll have edited the whole closet and you're only left with things that you love or you're left with nothing and you realize you need a stylist i like that <laughs> i like that but those that's really all you need to do i mean it's a very and i know it's, it, it it you don't need to spend seven hours in your closet you can mm. you know but if you follow those two principles you will be able to clean it out without having to get overwhelmed the OCD in me has every time I buy a piece of clothing, if I buy a T-shirt, I have to throw out a T-shirt. If I buy a pair of shorts, oh. I throw out a pair of shorts. Oh, well, that's – you are so not everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> and as I explain that, I'm like, why do I do that? It's a bit of a minimalist thing. Otherwise, you just you yeah. just accumulate. I don't throw stuff. Yeah. I might take it to the op shop if it's, you know, if it's a value. But other, otherwise, yeah, I'll just throw it away. Um, fashion – is fashion it goes out of date can you think of a trend where the, what's the cringiest thing the cringiest trend you've ever observed or been a part of nicole oh gosh okay <laughs> well I, I will okay the cringiest trend i will say i have a lot of outfits that i look back on and i'm like Oof. even though i like and even though i loved them then as long as i loved them then i'm really okay with it because i as a stylist i take a lot of risks i mean i'm wearing like a very a cashmere jumper right now so it's like Looks not nice really that risky it's not very risky but <laughs> um but i definitely do i um but the cringiest one i would say oh gosh i mean like probably everywhere from the the jordash jeans with like any kind of jean with like contrast stitching that you remember would have like the like you on the back they would you'd see the pocket with the contrast stitching and then there'd be like all the etching it like was very popular right. in like the 2000s i mean you see it now too but like it and it has like the phase like that kind of denim is just so trashy like i can't <laughs> handle it like it is so tacky and trashy and like it you know it was so popular at one point i mean you I'm praying that, I mean, you, I've seen elements of it, like the low-rise jean come back, but I'm praying that that does not because it's, well, it's just disgusting. Fashion's fashion. <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it, how all, the, all like 80s is back. There's, you know, you don't see yeah. a lot of original thought these days unless you're looking at a catwalk, which I don't really do very often. But, you know, I don't know, my kids are wearing 80s stuff, 90s yeah, stuff. Yeah, 2000s, yeah. As as I mean, get in, what? I was going to say as long as they don't get into the big shoulder pads. Never really liked that big shoulder pad look. Oh, they're probably not old enough to, like, power. it is, it is a power. thing. It is power shoulder. Yeah, <laughs> it is a thing. I mean, I would say, like, the funny thing about fashion being cyclical is that people with real style always wear the cycles in a way. Like, like 70s bohemian, like, Stevie Nicks never went out of style. Never. Like, never. Like, like, Etro is a luxury designer brand that have been, like, vibing on stevie for their entire life I yeah mean, there's it, a brand it, in australia called spell and the gypsy collective and uh byron bay based i've interviewed them one of the most successful women's fashion brands in australia and, and also vibing out on stevie till the cows come yeah. home now, exactly now you're i'm going to direct people i've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation i don't know whether i'm going to be any better dressed as a result of it but that's me not you trust me <laughs> Now, um, letsgetyou.com is where people can find you. That's a very unusual name or domain name and business name. Yeah. I say well, with the utmost of respect. 
<laughs> do you? <laughs> sort of. <laughs> What's with it? Well, when I came, when I had that idea, when I was sitting across from that man, and I thought, can we just get you late already? And then I was like, well, that's not exactly, <laughs> like, appropriate for the kind of audience I'm looking to attract, nor, I mean, I, you know, so I thought, let's just drop the last word. And, you know, my business embodies the idea of, like, who do you want to be? Where do you want to go? And, like, let's get your whole life, like, you know, together. Like, I get let's it. Let's make quite, it happen. That's interesting. I don't know whether that story appears on your website or not, but now I get it. It's like, <laughs> let's get you, and then you fill in the blank. It could be laid, or it could be that new client. It could be yeah. feeling confident. Like, fill in the gap. And that's a really interesting Promoted. story and way of presenting your business. I'm, that's a second invoice that I'm going to need to send you. <laughs> Goodness me. I didn't realise this was a marketing consult. I thought this was an interview. Value value all around. Value all around. <laughs> Two-way two street. Nicole, thank you. Thank you for reaching out in the first place. I think I said to you before we hit record that uh, after 14 and a half years of this podcast, I've never covered the fashion topic, so it's probably well and truly overdue. Uh, I think I was too scared. <laughs> you was afraid I was going to criticise you. So I'm nicer than people think. Um, but thank you so much. It was a delight. Good. It was an absolute a delight. Ab absolute pleasure. I was going to call you. The, the, I learned a new word during this interview too, schlub. Oh. Never heard of it. I've heard of schlep, but not schlub. Have you Have you heard of like a schlump, schlumpadinka? <laughs> what is it? It's just schlub with like a little bit more pow. Like a is, it, is it a term of endearment? Could I, you know, um, get away you with? You probably it? could turn it. You probably could turn it into one. However, typically, I, I envision it as sort of the feminine version of schlub, like a schlumpadinka. <laughs> right. Like, because you can kind of imagine what that person looks like when they leave the house, right? So. And if you're tired of feeling like that, let's get you styled. That's right. <laughs> so I won't say thank you, Schlumpadinka, Nicole Russo, for being on this podcast. I'll say thank you, Nicole Russo, from letsgetyou.com. Thank you. <laughs> Amazing. Well, there you go, team. New York fashion stylist and aficionado, Nicole Russo. I hope you are going to be just that little bit better presented as a result of having listened to that. Not that I'm suggesting you are poorly presented. But you might have found the odd tip or insight there. I certainly did. Hey, if you'd like to watch that interview, then feel free to lash out and join my uber expensive membership over at patreon.com forward slash marketing podcast. First seven days are free. You've got nothing to lose. And there is lots and lots and lots of marketing gold and insights and ideas there for you. Hopefully, I'll see you on the inside. Righto, time to take action. Because ideas remain exactly that without action. Go and go and buy yourself a nice new outfit. Treat yourself. You deserve it. Please support the work I do for small business by joining my small business owners membership over at patreon.com forward slash marketing podcast. Next week, you and I catch up with Renee Bunster, the founder of Australia's leading chili sauce brand and who's just moved into tequila as well. A bit like Clooney and Puff Daddy and... Michael Jordan and Justin Timberlake, just to name a few other tequila brand owners. Hey, if you enjoyed today's app, please hit the subscribe button on your podcast app where you'll find 660 more chats with successful business founders. Big thanks to Sammy for stitching the marketing gold together and for Lockie for the amazing music bed that I've been using over the years. More importantly, 
Most importantly, thanks to you for tuning in, for lending me your ears, and hopefully taking action to grow and build that beautiful business of yours. May your marketing be the absolute best marketing. Bye for now. Hey, it's me again. Why are you still here? Can't you get enough business building income generating advice? I admire that. Well, check out my exclusive listener offers in the show notes on your podcast app. Each one is designed to save you time and money, but most importantly, they're laser focused on growing that beautiful business of yours into you know what. All right, have you had enough of me now? (laughs) 